This episode is sponsored by This Naked Mind Institute, our coach certification program, where we certify the next generation of coaches to help people find freedom and experience transformational and life-giving shifts that come from science-based and compassion-led learning. These coaches are empowered with world-class trainings, industry-leading tools and resources, and the most recent scientific studies to help others learn how to create real, rich, raw, and authentic lives free from alcohol. So if you're at the point in your own personal journey where you really want to help others and pay it forward to give what you've been given and help others find freedom, joy, and ultimate happiness, then I invite you to apply for the next class of This Naked Mind Institute and join our incredibly coaching community at thisnakedmindinstitute.com. Well, hello, everybody. Coach Scott here, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions. And today I am joined by Shelly Money. Shelly is one of our incredible coaches. Uh, and I sent Shelly an email. I'm like, tell me, you know, who you work with, you know, and here's what she wrote back. Shelly work is a lifestyle and relationship coach, helping high achieving soul led women to confidently gain control over food and alcohol without feeling deprived. She works with business women, entrepreneurs and coaches, as well as any woman that is both living in the gray area and open to personal growth with a desire to be their best self. Whoa, that's awesome. Uh, and I know that like a lot of people fall into that category. So first, hi, Shelly. How are you? Hi, I'm great, Scott. I hope you're great too. I am. I totally am. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, who you work with. I mean, that was a great introduction, but I want people to hear it from you. Okay, that sounds amazing. Thanks for the opportunity to share with listeners. Um, and yeah, what led, probably what led me up to this, or what does soul led, maybe sometimes people ask me, what does soul led mean? Yeah, that is a good uh, question. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I have been coaching women in business for over 25 years, and uh, trying to get away from just constantly talking about strategy, and into what really moves the needle the most, and that's relationships. And yeah. Having healthy relationships with everything in our life has, is, has become really my overarching theme. So woman to woman in business, uh, man and woman, um, friends, our relationships with money, our relationships yes. <laughs> with substance. So um, when I say soul led, it's, I love to work with people who are open. Um, mm. They are I could say I use intuition loosely because I think there's a certain voice we could have disempowered and we can have empowered intuition. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So it's important to recognize that voice. And is it, uh, is it, you know, moving you in the direction that you want to go? So mm -hmm. I could have a whole uh, course, as a matter of fact, I do on, <laughs> on talking about that, but soul led is just being open, being curious um, and being willing to set aside an agenda to and an outcome to enjoy a journey. So it's almost like a risk into the unknown. People want like predictable things, but it's yeah. like, let's, it, and I, where I think this related so much from bringing what I, I did before into Annie's work is stop with the challenge, stop with trying to hit things head on with strategy and mm. let's go into an experiment. Let's experiment how we feel when we practice our voice in relationships. I really like that. I mean, I really, I like that approach. And the idea of soul led is really interesting too, because I think what you're 
what I hear when I when I read that um, is, you know, these are these are people who are achievers in life, like get things done, and almost feel like there's something else, but they don't know what it is. Like, is that what you see when you work with with your clients? Like, there's um, I love the term soul led because it almost seems like it feels like there's something else, you know, it feels like there's somewhere else to go. Yeah. And I think with high achieving people, uh, one of the biggest things, and, and we find a lot of people in this, in the gray area as well, where they, they no longer, they become this person where this, and this is for me, couldn't, couldn't, we can't take it or leave it anymore. Yeah. Yet the wheels haven't fallen fallen off, you know, on the other side. So the biggest thing with high achieving people is we can't let ourselves off the hook. Yes. And as we know through your training and Annie's training, that one of the biggest needle movers is being able to give ourselves grace, compassion, let ourselves off the hook to just be open and go in and, and check this out. So that's yeah. the path to healthy relationships. That's interesting too. You mentioned like people in the gray area. Um, I think a lot of people have this idea that you don't have to, I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm doing quotation fingers. <laughs> you don't have to quit drinking until the wheels fall off. Mm. However, there's plenty of opportunity along the way. And as a matter of fact, like as soon as you start to even question it, working with it, um, that's a great time to shift that relationship. You don't have to wait till you get to the end of that journey where something catastrophic happens. To that end, especially in that, you know, you are working with high achievers. Do people come to you like very much like I need to change my relationship with alcohol? Or do you find that it actually starts somewhere else and you end up discussing it as time goes on? That is an awesome question. And I think the majority right now, just for where I am in my life and growing my my business on the coaching side, they are coming in with other um, things, other questions about, mm -hmm. and, and we attract who we are as yes. I, I think too, right? So I had, uh, I'll take you back. I, I had started with a relationship coach. I had a lot of like, not so great relationships with, uh, with men and dating. So I had started with a relationship coach. So being in relationship with men and being in relation or, or guys with women or, you know, all sorts of relationships. Um, and, and with our customers and clients, I was like, where do we settle for breadcrumbs yeah. from, from people? Yeah. And where do we even offer up breadcrumbs? How do we show up as a healthy relationship partner? So they were coming in from, from that angle. And then when I started coaching with alcohol, I was like, I don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Mm. How does somebody know? How does somebody know if they have a healthy relationship? Yeah. Right? Especially in that gray area, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's where it gets to me. Well, it's probably why it's called gray area, but like, that's where it gets confusing. Yeah. Well, this is the great question. <laughs> I think is, um, again, back to uh, Annie's coaching is based on how we feel. So mm -hmm. if I used a dating analogy in here, um, I years ago did a list a, a quantitative list, I would say, or a qualitative list of like things I was looking for in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, you know, tall, tall, dark, and handsome kind of thing. Has to cook, <laughs> yeah. has to have yeah, his yeah. own friends, uh, you know, has to have hobbies. 
And um, what I realized when I started in relationship coaching is this list did not matter anything as much as it mattered, it didn't matter as much as how I felt in a relationship. So if this guy was tall, dark, and handsome, but he was um, not a nice guy, not complimentary, that relationship was not aligned. So what I then did was said, how do I want to feel in a relationship? And I actually, I have a tool, it's called the feelings compass. Mm -hmm. And I think every person could do this and you could do it with everything in your life. So how do, how did I feel? How how do I want to feel in any relationship? I want to feel loved. I want to feel respected. I want to feel heard. I want to feel secure. I want to feel cherished. I want to feel like a queen, you know? So it didn't matter if tall, dark, and handsome who wrote in, may his backside be studded with diamonds as my grandmother would say, (laughs) it didn't matter if he did all of that it mattered only how I felt in this person's presence. And I equated that to alcohol. Alcohol became the bad boyfriend. Mm. We started off great. Oh yeah. He was all shiny, (laughs) super fantastic. (laughs) Promise me the world. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? You know, promise Uh, you the world. And at the end of the night, someone has a black eye. Or when I was growing up, someone's hand, you know, went through a window it's like all, all the stuff that I can pull from childhood into today and, and looking at if promises and actions and words of a person, a place, a thing, a substance don't align, you got to ask questions. And yeah. that again, gets you towards a healthy relationship. And I think it's hard too with alcohol in particular, because it's everywhere, right? So like on that list, you mentioned business women and entrepreneurs. I have never been to a conference where there isn't copious amounts of alcohol served at, you know, mixing events where yes, fine. You know, I'm going to go and sit in sessions during the day, but you know, it's all drinking all night. I've never been to a business dinner where there wasn't alcohol involved. I've, you know, like it's just so deeply entrenched to the point that it can be very easy, I think, for people in these circles to overlook it, mm-hmm. right? To overlook that fact, like, oh, I don't feel good or I feel like something's up. And we look elsewhere, right? We look, we tend to skip over the alcohol part because maybe we're afraid of it or maybe it doesn't even occur to us. Um, so I love your story in the sense that, like, you're like, hey, relationships, this isn't working well for me. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, right. As we continue to dig. So do you find like, as you, and we'll get to the questions in a second. I'm just really fascinated with your niche. Like what does that journey of discovery look like with your clients? Like, how do you, how do you help them down that road? Cause I feel like it could go any number of directions when you start working with someone. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I, I feel that we could go in many directions but I really think something foundational is that feelings compass. If you just pay attention to how you want to feel, like let's say a list of 10 things. What mm-hmm. if um, if we wrote down a list of 10 things, like this is how I want to feel. And if I bump up against a person, a substance, a cookie, <laughs> yeah. um, a, a relation, my relationship with money, my relationship with people, business people, if I bump up against this person and I don't feel these ways, then I just need to ask myself, why Mm. is it something within me? And that can be a dangerous slippery slope as well. Sure. Yeah. Or is it something about 
you know, this person or situation I need to move away from. What I find with a lot of high achieving people is that when something is going wrong in a relationship, instead of looking at the thing, um, they start, they actually turn it back in on themselves. And they're like, well, what else do I need to do to fix about myself? And, and they go in this personal growth and not that personal growth is bad because it's very, very good, but we can mm -hmm. get addicted to it and tr constantly trying to, to fix ourselves when really a great thing to do would be to pause and say, if I want to feel cherished, adored, respected, how about clear that when I changed my relationship with alcohol, clarity was key. Mm -hmm. I had to shift some of my priorities. I shift sleep wasn't on there. Rest. I want to feel rested. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I just shifted my priorities. And if these things were not uh, bumping up properly against these qualities, then I knew I'm like, okay, I, something has got to change. Yeah. And that, so that's a simple way to, to start with people. If this is not making you feel the way you want to feel, then what? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, all right, let's dive in. I want to make sure and get to some of the questions. So question number one, I grabbed this one. Um, this is also one I know all too well. So uh, here's a question. Hello, here's my problem. <laughs> I've been in sales for more than 20 years. One of the things that always trips me up when I try to quit drinking is going to a sales conference. There is so much drinking. It feels like a nonstop party. I don't really know how to function in those situations with alcohol, and I usually end up drinking even when I don't want to. How do I break this cycle? I think that that's a great question because the, the asker is wants to feel a different way. I think they want to present differently yes. when they're at their conference and um, I know you mentioned you've been to a lot of boozy con uh, conferences. In my company, I'm very proud of uh, the company I've been a part of for many years. It was actually, um, at, we were asked not to drink or smoke or wear really low cut shirts or anything like that to our conferences because we wanted to, the, the owner wanted us to show up as our best selves. Have you ever, have you ever heard that? Mm. Like it. Yeah, I was basically like my situation was like, here's a credit card, go make some deals happen. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, this was very much about um, image of the company, but image of ourselves as the mm -hmm. woman or man that was showing up as a representative of that company and a representative of ourselves. So when I would go to these conferences, I would take that four or five days, I was like, woohoo, it was a welcomed, sort of welcomed break. But because yeah. I couldn't drink. Yeah. Not that I didn't want to, because that's when I was drinking, I wanted to, but then I thought, no, I'm going to respect um, the owner. And I know that that did turn into some internal respect. I actually felt pretty proud of myself. Um, yeah. And I would come home and do the same behavior again, like I would drink again. But in hindsight, I'm very grateful uh, I would that I had that um, opportunity to go to a conference alcohol-free because I received much more. Um, yes. I was able to connect with people because, you know, alcohol might be a connector for five seconds, but it's ultimately a disconnector. Mm -hmm. um, so I would encourage that the person who's asking the question to um, do an experiment and just say, I've been to many conferences feeling very boozy. I'm going to experiment on the next one and say thanks, but no thanks. And go based on how you want to feel. 
Like yeah. I want to feel clear and present and pick up everything I can for this. We're investing time. We're investing Absolutely. money. These are our most precious commodities, our energy. So if you can show up with all of those present, I'm sure that actually your business will elevate. Absolutely. I, so this is what I found. You know, I remember the first, uh, the first conference I went to uh, after I quit drinking, I was scared out of my mind. Um, it was at the Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City, and it was awesome, and it was beautiful, and it was gorgeous, and I was like terrified, right? And I remember, um, for me, the biggest thing. So I was a I was a sales engineer, and so there were all types of people there. There were like finance people, and people who own buildings, and you know, people we would write contracts with, and big contracts, right? Not just like one job, but like strings of jobs. Like it just feels like there's so much on the line, and I, I remember feeling like this intense amount of pressure to go in there, connect with people, get business cards, and then turn something, you know, make something happen within a few days. And for me, it was about turning it into a game. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do two things. I wanted to see how long it took me to meet 20 new people. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see how short, and I know this is counterproductive, but like how short of a time I could be there while feeling like I worked the room to the amount that I wanted to. And so it was amazing because like, because I turned it into a game and I literally was like going around and introducing myself and like, and it was, it was, it was just exhilarating. And I got out of there way earlier than I would have had I been drinking. And one of the things that for me was so um, just such a, it helps shift my thinking so much was watching the other people while I was there. And all of a sudden I started to realize, man, I used to spend hours at these things, but it's going nowhere now. (laughs) You know, like people are repeating themselves. People are forgetting they met you. Um, And so being able to like turn it into a game and make it fun, I think is something that can be so helpful. And I will say this, and I hear people like, my old boss might hear this. Sorry. Hi, Matt. If you hear this, uh, don't listen to this part. You don't have to stay the whole time. Like, I feel like people feel like because it's happening, we have to engage and we have to stay there. And if you're in an early stage where you're feeling like, man, I'm, you know, I'm feeling kind of shaky. There is nothing more powerful than the permission to leave. You know, you don't have to be there. Um, So all of those things to like go out and like explore that way, um, make a big I think can make a big difference in how it feels to your point to like be at that conference. I'm curious, Shelly, did you, have you had experiences at conferences where you were drinking as well as where you weren't drinking? And like, how did those compare for you? Oh yeah. That uh, same situation, same company. Um, We went and had an event and allowed, allowed, if you will. We gave carte blanche to some people that wanted to have a drink because it was like rules rule schmules, you know, who says, you know, I'm an independent contractor. I can do what I want. So we were like, yeah, you know, okay, just have one. Well, one turned into two and you see how, and this is why the business owner said no drinking, please, because someone might be able to quote unquote, handle one. Some can handle several, but if you're, you know, you, well, first of all, you have your own image, you know, how do you want to, how do you want to appear? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you want people to remember you? 
But again, how does the company want to be remembered? And if uh, so-and-so has a few drinks and she slides up against somebody at the bar and goes, oh yeah, and with such and such a company. Oh boy, image yeah. shot. So we went back to, okay, it's probably, it's just best no drinking at events. You know, this is what the owner has asked us to do. And then we would hope that everyone would, you know, fall in line. I remember <laughs> to that point, I remember I was at a convention, I think it was in Chicago. Um, and the sort of like head of operations for this really big company that we were working with um, got plastered and suspiciously early in the event too, like sort of implying that he'd been drinking for a while. Um, and he, he fell down, right? Now this is like super fancy. We're at this like really fancy hotel in Chicago, everyone's in suits, you know, it was like, and this guy just like falls over and like can barely talk. And, you know, at the time I was still drinking. And even while I was still drinking, I was, you know, I obviously went over to like help him, but then I'm like, thank God that's not me. Like, that's so embarrassing, you know? And, and people did kind of like, it was awkward the next day, right? And that's literally the opposite of what we're trying to do. Like we're going to these things to connect, to meet people. Um, and it's funny how like that can really cast a shadow, I think, on how people see the company and see the employees of a company. Yeah. That's awesome. By the way, I didn't say this earlier. It is amazing that the owner of your company asks that. I've, I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Let's go on to the second question. And it is this. Hi, I am a 37 year old mom of two who is in the middle of getting her startup up and running. Oh my God. Um, life is absolutely nuts right now. And I feel like the only thing that helps me keep it together is my nightly wine. But I also know from being around this naked mind that this actually isn't helping. How do I get a clearer picture of what wine is actually doing to me instead of how I see it, what I see it doing for me? Mm, yes, it sounds to me like she's answering her own question. <laughs> In a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sounds like very aware that um, she, again, would like to feel a different way, but is maybe not sure how to put down put down the wine. Um, so it's the belief, right? It's the belief about what the wine is doing for her at night. So if we think, oh, I deserve this, or it's my reward, or it's how I wind down, mm -hmm. it's probably asking the question, you know, like, is that true? Like, does wine really help me wind down? Yeah. Um, and how do I behave? <laughs> it's so funny because it sounds really simple when you say it, but like the reality is people don't do this. Like people don't take time to, I think you mentioned being curious earlier too. Like don't take time to like look around and be like, am I less stressed right now or more stressed right now? Yeah. And I've always, see, I've always had a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just always have. And I think it's because I wanted a third party to bounce things off of. And so it was a natural progression for me to, uh, you know, I came into coaching and then I was like, I, you know, I want to do this for other, other people as well. So um, you don't know what you don't know until you get into, you know, conversations with coaches that can ask those questions. So you guys have asked those questions to me, um, you know, 
like bringing curiosity to the forefront, asking the question, like really um, it's questioning our thoughts and beliefs, not mm-hmm. just going that the, the adage of, um, well, it's always what I've done. That's a big slippery yeah. slope. I do this because it's always what I've done. Sure. Yeah. And that, that includes everything with uh, going out to dinner with people, going to conferences, spending your time, money, energy. If you don't feel good about it, if you're like, oh, dreading it, don't let that slip by. That's actually very valuable information. It's like, why am I dreading this? Yes. And I see a lot of people. Questions. Yeah. I see a lot of people blame themselves. Like, yeah. oh, I'm like, I'm just not social or, you know, or whatever. I don't feel good today or something like that. But it's like, okay, like, if that's the case, then like, why are you doing it? You know, and I feel like people don't, and I interrupted you and I'm sorry, but like people don't ask themselves that question. Yeah. And what if they said, well, you know, why, why don't I want to go? And can the answer be okay? I don't yes. want to go because I can't, I can't have so-and-so chatting in my ear. For 10 minutes or a half hour or whichever can that just be okay like so it's again letting ourselves out the hook not judging ourselves for choosing to invest our time and energy in a different way mm, i love that one other thing this question reminds me of it's a you know how annie says she felt like alcohol was the duct tape that held her life together feel a little bit of that in this question actually this lady says it helps me keep it together <laughs> um I find, you know, when I talk to people about this, this idea of like alcohol helps me unwind, uh, it helps me de-stress, however people tend to say it, um, is something that comes up a lot. So I'm going to ask you, like, is that actually true? Like, does alcohol actually help us de-stress? And like, how do you talk about that in terms of the other goals that these high achieving uh, people you work with have? Yeah. What I found with high achieving people, and it sounds like with the the woman asking this question too, is we could sell ourselves on anything. Mm. You really, really could. So if you um, sell yourself on a belief that I just, I need to have this so I can keep things together, you will go on as long as you possibly can because you are a high achiever and you are successful and there's no way this thing is taking you down until it takes you down. Right. you know, it's just, it's like, if you believe that it's holding things together, can you just ask yourself a different question? Because it's paying attention to the tail end of that, Mm. that I end up feeling not good. I end up feeling not good. Just, and it goes, if I, if I bring in romantic relationships again, you know, women stay with men because it's almost as good as they think they should have. Right. Yeah. And then at the tail end, they just feel yucky. Yeah. And, and then they just bypass it or they say, I'll, you know, I'll try again tomorrow or it must be something about me instead of pausing in that moment of where it really doesn't feel good and why. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing I, you know, when we talk about, we talk about alcohol and stress in particular and whether or not it feels good, there's no denying that that first 20, 30 minutes, like there, there are pleasant sensations, you know, physical sensations. It does feel like we can relax. The problem is that's when people tend to stop paying attention, right? That they're not actually paying attention to how they feel because after that first 20 minutes and for the rest of the night, you're feeling worse and worse 
and worse. Yeah. And I think one of the things, um, you know, when, when people ask about stress, what they're actually trying to do is like cope with go what's going on in their life, but they want, they expect that this coping mechanism, this way of dealing with it is something that's actually going to be a net positive. And alcohol is not a net positive. I mean, and I mean, we don't have a stance where we say people shouldn't drink or anything like that. But like, when you actually look at the cycle, most of the time, when you, well, I won't say most of the time, all of the time, if you drink because you're stressed, you end up more anxious and more stressed as the alcohol is leaving your system and the next morning than you were before you started drinking. But of course, people don't connect those two things because like of how long it is. And so, you know, paying attention to bring this back to like what you're talking about, like in a relationship and like, it's almost as good as it could be. One of the questions that I see coming from what you said is like, what would it be like if you didn't, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's say you found a way of dealing with that stress, put that aside for now, like, we'll figure out what that is, but like, what would life be like if you didn't feel that you needed it for stress? Yeah. Um, and I find that I'm curious how your clients do with this. Like sometimes people have a hard time being imaginative with this. Like I'll ask the question and they'll go, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, they've never considered it, but like, what do you find with your clients? Can they visualize that? Like, how do you, how do you work with them on that? I think it, a lot of this in most things actually boil down to fear, right? Yeah. It, it's fear. And oftentimes the fear of not being enough and not being enough for ourselves. So my question would be is, how do you feel about being alone? Mm. So that would be, so if, if a woman is with um, wanting to find love, one of the greatest ways for her to find love is actually to first be alone. Or if she was in a love relationship and she's by herself now, what can you do to make being alone with yourself, the most magical thing. So that event, if a, then you are more available and you're more visible for a healthy relationship partner to find you. Mm -hmm. So can, so as it relates to alcohol, and I do this because I think they, sometimes people can be like, oh, that makes sense with that yeah. analogy. So totally. can you be alone without alcohol? If it has been breadcrumbing you, again, dating, breadcrumbing a guy says hey what's up and you're like oh you know that's a breadcrumb yeah, yeah. you know don't just jump at every breadcrumb so if if a relationship with alcohol is breadcrumbing you which it is it's promising you things you're you're feeling good can you put it aside and and be alone with yourself without that substance for a while and really pay attention to how you're feeling mm. and i think again we're here we might be hearing this question for the first time it's bringing in curiosity without the judgment and it feels pretty crummy to be alone with yourself if you're not used to being alone with yourself because lots of stuff uh you yeah. know happens up here and and can that be again can that be okay can you can you journal can you have a trusted friend again why i love coaching um to have that person to bounce things off of to help you feel like you are enough because you are absolutely yeah. and ultimately you are that is i mean i love the way that you said that at the end because one of the things that i hear i mean this person raising two kids and starting a company like holy yeah. moly 
Um, I think so often the idea, and this is one of the things that was so powerful for me when I finally learned it, but this idea that like, we need something outside of ourselves yeah. to feel good, yeah. right? Um, one of the most shocking things to me, and it continues to be shocking to me, is that like, we actually have everything we need to be in a better place. The problem is most of us don't realize it. And it's tough to see on your own. And that's why I think hiring a coach like you, Shelly, is so important because you can point to that, right? And ask those questions. I think it makes a huge difference. Uh, thanks, Scott. You know, I wanted to say something and I thought this was so funny and so true. Um, I was listening to Liz Gilbert, you know, who mm -hmm. wrote Eat, Pray, Love and her book, Big Magic is absolutely fantastic. It's helping people um, to find their creativity and stop being afraid mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to find their creativity. And she had been having a conversation with a friend and she said, you know, you can notice the patterns in your life. So all of the things that have happened to us or happening are actually happening for us in our life. So the crummy relationships that I have been in have been my best teachers. So if yes. we could make it, make it mean something different, right? Make those yeah. things mean something different to serve us. Cause she said, if it's not, if it's not a martini, it's going to be a MasterCard. And if it's not a MasterCard, it's going to be a man. And if it's not a man, it's going to be a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you find out the pattern of the thing that makes you think the answers are outside of yourself. Yeah. It's not the martini, the MasterCard, the man, or the muffin. They are not the answer. Right? I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect place for us to pivot okay. to the curveball question. Uh, here we go. So, Shelly, if you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, but all your human needs, like food and water and all of that were taken care of, what two things would you take with you? Okay. Could be anything. I would, can I take a person? <laughs> I, you know what? I, yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's say it wasn't a person, but I would definitely want to take my son. I, for the business person, I wanted to say too, if she had more questions oh, yeah. about that, I've been a single mother. Uh, my son is 24 and I built mm. my business um, as a single uh, woman raising a child. So, you know, very, very doable and bumbled along the way, you know, we, we yes. uh, sail forward to success, but I would take, um, I used to be a dental hygienist, so I would mm -hmm. have to bring my toothbrush. I just <laughs> would have to bring my toothbrush. That's amazing. Yeah. And I would have to bring water that I can drink. But let's say water's taken care of. Oh, water's taken care of. Yes. Okay. Um, I would take a book so I could, I could read and just see now you're going to have to tell me what book. I'm not going to let you off the hook. I want, we okay. want interesting things. Toothbrush is interesting. Okay. What is the interesting book you're going to bring? Well, um, I have just been in love with this book, Big Magic, mm. uh, with Liz Gilbert, because it, it she's saying that every person does have a creative side and that um, this imposter of fear always wants to come in. And she just has a funny way of saying, you fear? She caught it's a person, right? So fear is this yeah. child that continues to nag at us and be like, come on, go this way, go this way. It tries to drag you everywhere. And so she looks at fear and says, I see you. And I realize you're not going to go away. 
And she says, I never want to be a fearless person. I don't ever want to be a fearless person because fear does help us in so many ways. It keeps us mm -hmm. safe. It protect us, protects us. So she's like, I realize you're coming, but I'm strapping you in the back seat. <laughs> You don't get to control the radio. You don't get to bring the snacks. You don't get to have the map, but you are. I know you're going to be a constant companion to help, help keep me on track. And I'm going to go on my creative path and live my life uh, in a more courageous way. I love that. And it sounds like a perfect Desert Island book because it sounds like the sort of thing that most of us could benefit from reading multiple times. Yeah, it's very, very juicy. It's good. <laughs> awesome. So good. Well, thank you, Shelly. This has been really awesome. I really appreciate you, uh, you hanging out with me today. And for people who want to get in touch with you and find out more about you and how they can work with you, where can they find you? Oh, I love that. Um, I have a, a website, a beautiful website that I love. It's uh, called ShellyMoneyCoaching.com. So it's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y MoneyCoaching.com. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. And to those of you listening, thank you for joining us. I will be back again soon with another edition of Coaching Questions. Until then, take care. Are you realizing that there's something more? That you're so excited about this change in your life. Maybe you've put down the bottle for good and you just want to pay it forward. You want to help others in their moments of need move through that discomfort. You wonder what it feels like to celebrate with your own journey by paying it forward and giving back what you've been given. Now's the time to find out. Enrollment is now open for our coaching certification program with this Naked Mind Institute. In just six months, you can receive the training, the resources, and tools you need to become our next certified coach so that you can start your entrepreneurial journey or grow your already existing business while helping thousands of others to find freedom, joy, and happiness. If you're hearing that little voice calling that says you're meant for so much more in this journey, then I invite you to leave your comfort zone behind and learn more about becoming a certified coach at thisnakedmindinstitute.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.